What's up, everybody? Episode six. I'm here with the Lug Life team. Um, we were talking about it. We never really explained who we are, how we got here, why we're making the podcast. So ultimately, this episode is just going to be dedicated to giving some background on why we have been successful up until this point um, and introducing the team behind the scenes that are making this happen. So we can ultimately share tips and, and success stories with you all. So one of the things that I think differentiates us between most companies is the fact that we're constantly focusing on growing. I think a lot of companies, they're reactive and they believe that they know what's going wrong, but it's out of their control to be able to make a change. And something that I'm sure you've all heard me say over and over again by this point is our goal is to grow every single day. If we can grow 1% every single day, in, in a given year, we can grow 365%, right? So, you know, Pete, when I bring this up, this idea of growing and that a lot of your responsibility is pushing the management team to consistently grow, what comes to mind? We talk about growth. It's important to be honest about where we are right now. What are we doing, right? And why are we doing it? A lot of times when we think about those things or we revisit a concept that to us is just apparent, right? Well, this is the way we've always done it. Well, is that, is that a good answer? The way we've always done it? Well, if that's the best way of doing things, then yes. But if it's something that we haven't actually thought about in a long time, then maybe it's worth revisiting. You know, some of our biggest breakthroughs as a company have been kind of paradigm shifts where unless you actually question something very basic, you're not going to see, even see a need to make a change, let alone have the courage and the process to even make the change. So, you know, starting Remix Market, I think, is a great example of that, right? We've always been about donating. And, you know, we've had a lot of, before we started Remix, we had a lot of conversations about, well, how would it even work? Is it even feasible? Why would we change it now if it's already proven to work? Well, it could always be better. You know, even when you think you got to figure it out, there's always things you could be uh, improving on or optimizing. You know, I was just talking to Ronnie yesterday. You know, unfortunately, we had to make some decisions due to increasing labor costs, increasing insurance costs. You know, we had to make a, a tough decision to marginally raise prices just so that we can not make more money, but just maintain, you know, the margins that we're shooting for as a company. And you know, although it was an upsetting conversation, it was something that we got a lot of great ideas out of. You know, the ideas that we wouldn't have even had to think about if we didn't actually, if we weren't actually forced to make those decisions by factors. Sometimes it's factors within our control, but a lot of times things happen to us. And instead of letting it get you down or getting upset about it, that's okay. But we need to figure out ways to take advantage of the situation. Because there's one way of looking at it where it's, oh, what was me? What are we going to do? And so another thing of, okay, good. It's happened. We can't change it. So what are we going to do about it? And that's empowering, right? Like we can we can work with that. Um, so I think a lot of it is just about 
being open to it and trying to recognize opportunities where other people see failure or other people see we're fine there so we don't need to do anything. That tells me when I get that answer from somebody or that natural defensiveness, that tells me that there is something there that we need to poke at and try to get better at. So that's that's kind of how I and I try to, in my one-to-ones with the team, like, yes, we're fine, but how do we get better? Because you telling me that it's good enough tells me that it's not good enough. Sure. Yeah, so Ronnie has one of the most difficult positions, I would say, in the company. Uh, people that are in this position in the past um, have either been burnt out or uh, realized that the constant grind of operations, it just gets to this point where it's just this never ending roller cycle, roller coaster, excuse me. Um, and I think. You know, you've done a really great job of not only managing your own personal life and your own personal endeavors, but also the obligation of being the director of operation. You know, what does it feel like on a daily basis knowing that 10,000 customers are going to come through operations, you're going to pass them on to appointments and do routes? What is that? What does that kind of responsibility feel like? I love it. I love it. I live for it. I, I mean, the taking a hectic situation and what somebody from the outside would look at and see, you know, just, just disarray and just, just all these moving parts, structuring that and making it all work together is what I love. I, I mean, I live for that, you know, We've compared, you've compared it to a symphony in the past. I compare it to an air traffic controller. You know, you've got goals in mind and you've got resources to accomplish those goals. And how do you make it work? And I find it, I love it. I, I find it fun. If I didn't love it, I don't think I could do it. You know, and I think maybe that's why certain people haven't been successful at it in the past. It, it's because it's a job to them and, and they come in and they they let all of this hectic stuff stress them out as opposed to looking at each individual situation in, in kind of like a like, I don't know, you kind of like, like dissect it all and find the pieces that work together and find the, the way that it's going to move the fastest and the smoothest without the most hiccups as possible. And it's really difficult for some people to compartmentalize like that and keep track of everything that they're doing. For some reason, you know, it's just something I've always loved. I've always been in this line of work. I've always been a dispatcher at heart, you know, and over the years, the more I've learned about business and the back office stuff, the more I've been able to take my you know, my, my training and my skills from the dispatching and expand on it and grow it to a position that I'm truly proud of. And regardless of the endeavors I go through and the personal family things that happen in life, you know, this is my home, you know, and, and, and I love it. Amazing. And, you know, I think one amazing learning lesson for everyone that's watching is, you know, when we when Ronnie originally signed on to work for Lug Life, he saw an, an open position and he really fell in love with the company, right? He didn't necessarily fall in love with the position. I think it was an administrative assistant that you applied for. So I originally applied for an administrative assistant position, but through my phone interview, uh, Powell realized I had other experience and I thought it might be valuable in a different role, which turned out to be a weekend operations manager for about a year, a year and a half. Then I was brought into the weekdays um, and I kind of kind of helped take the lead on the on the day to day. And, you know, that an opportunity presented itself and, you know, you guys saw fit to promote me and it was I'm grateful for it and I'm very happy. 
And I think, I'll, you know, as you, we start digging into our company, right, you'll see that most people, they had to take this high risk, high reward, um, which ultimately led them for taking a position. Sometimes it's for free. Sometimes it's for what seems to be way less than the value of, of yourself. But taking that jump, that faith, that jump of faith, right? What did that feel like? And how do you feel like you did a great job of climbing the ladder to get to the point where you're now leading a department? So, so, you know, like most people, I've had my issues throughout life. So I, I think the more that I learned and the more that I lived, the less the dollar amount in the in the moment mattered and the more the big picture mattered you know when i came in for my interview here i had actually had a significantly higher job offer elsewhere for for a position basically starting pretty close to where i built myself up to now hmm. however you know i walked in here i saw the graffiti on the walls i i i talked to to you guys i talked to zach introduced himself to me i think that's the first time the owner of a company came and introduced himself to me on a job interview before, you know, uh, just, just the feeling I got when I was in this place, you know, it, it didn't matter what the other place was, was willing to offer me in that moment. I saw a potential to grow and make this my home and make this a place where I want to be for a very long time. And, and I'm, I'm so happy that I took the risk that I did and that you guys gave me the opportunity to take that risk. I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's the best decision I ever made in my life. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so one thing that we talk about a lot is perceived value, right? Um, customers have this perception of how much it should cost. Obviously, our service is a premium service. It's expensive. Um, an example that you and I use often is in Apple is an iPhone, right? An iPhone, a brand new iPhone right now costs what? You just got one. So what does it cost? 1500 bucks, let's say, for a new Apple 13. Um, there are certain brands that it doesn't matter what the it costs. Mm -hmm. The value outweighs the cost of the, the perception. Mm -hmm. And because of that, people will spend more on that product or service than any other brand. I think you've done a really good job of leading the sales and marketing department to focus on this. Um, and one big aspect of our company is the donation aspect. So. Why don't you just walk everyone through like, how did you focus on this? And what is your main objective through connecting with other businesses and, and accounts to explain to them how we go above and beyond? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think it all, it all goes back to, you know, I think the day or the day month that, I started here and which was uh, seven years ago. And I, I think just the passion for not wanting to throw things up, right? And just uh, me, me personally growing up in a house where all of our furniture was purchased at tag sales or mm -hmm. thrift stores or estate, estate sales, you know, I grew up that way. And, you know, coming into a business where we pick up things that there's literally nothing wrong with, the table that we're sitting at, the chairs that we're sitting at, uh, to all the other things that we pick up, you know, uh, it just, obviously it, it occurred to me, you know, that we had this amazing opportunity to, um, continue to build relationships with other organizations that also saw the same value in this, in the same vision around, you know, reuse. 
And what's amazing about New York is the community in which folks care about reuse and care about recycling, care about donations. Uh, I think next to San Francisco, there's really no other place in the whole world, uh, or maybe the whole country, uh, that really has built like these micro communities around donation and, and reuse and zero waste. And you know, when I started, we probably only had like three or four organizations that really we worked with. Um, Big Reuse and Salvation Army and Goodwill. And, uh, and then it, it quickly occurred to me that if we were gonna really scale this and get to where we wanted to be someday that we were gonna need everybody. Uh, we were gonna need to build relationships with everyone. And I think that that's really what it comes down to is, is just building relationships, you know? And, and that at the end of the day is what my job is, yeah. is building relationships. That's great. And I think that ultimately what we do here is our goal is people come through our doors, hundreds, if not thousands of people in one year. And our goal is to vet them, to make sure they're a good fit, to train them as fast as possible and then put them on a truck so they're now our brand ambassador. And this wouldn't be possible without Daryl giving it 100% day in and day out. Um, what Daryl does is we take an average Joe and we make him into a stud. And I know that you and I talk about this a lot, but our goal is to make sure that when they leave, wherever it is and however long it is, that they're ultimately more valuable than the day they walk in the door. Absolutely. So when you think about this, when you think about that responsibility of taking someone and making them a stud, what comes to mind? What is the first step that you would recommend to anyone out there, whether it's they're working for a company and they want to climb the ranks or they want to start somewhere brand new and, and they want to have a pr fresh perspective at a new company? What would be your recommendation to them? You know, learn fast because most often you're going to be in a fast paced environment where you're going to expect to learn a lot in a little bit of time, you know? So the faster you're able to learn, the faster you're able to grow, you know? Always maintain your professionalism because there's nothing more likable than a person who know how to, you know, address a situation, you know, uh, always be willing to learn, always be willing to work hard because people are only going to like you if you really, you know, working hard and doing your thing, especially you coming on board. Yeah. You're going to need these things for, for people to say, get, get words about you. You understand? And then you want to make sure that, you know, um, uh, you, you don't do the foolishness. You understand? Because at the end of the day, if you're not taking your job seriously, then I mean, you might make my job difficult. Then I'm probably not going to want to work with you. You understand? So the only way you're going to continue to grow is if you work on yourself. Try to outshine somebody who's working here, right? Because you can grow faster than anyone just based on how much work you put into. I always tell people, you know, don't try to mimic somebody's negative um, actions or behavior or whatever it is because you don't even know how close that person is to being out the door. Now you came in with an opportunity to be a stud but you chose to follow behind the wrong person. Now we have two people 
on their way out the door. You understand? So my advice to somebody who's trying to be successful, mimic someone who people look up to, mimic someone who people see that they or they learn a lot from, and then try to be like that individual. You understand? Love. The more you try to be like somebody who's better than you, it's ultimately gonna make you better. And when you leave here or leave wherever you go, that's how you leave being better than you came in. I love it. You're basically talking about model the masters and you know, Daryl is one of our masters and that's why he's their director of training because of the fact that we saw he was the best lugger we had. He was the best driver we had, best trainer we had. And then he became our best foreman. And then every time that a new guy would come in, we'd say, put him with Daryl, you know, put him with Daryl, let him learn from the best. And then ultimately we realized the only way we were going to be able to have hundreds of employees on a yearly basis, is by having this effective training, right? And we always say, if you're not training, you're not gaining. Absolutely. So if you're looking for a new employee, what would you say the main characteristics that you're looking for, for a new guy that's coming through the door? Someone who is eager to work, someone who has a positive personality, because no matter how hard working you are, if you have negative vibes, that's gonna spread like wildfire, you know? And then it's like, ah, oh, man, you know, my day was going smooth. So somebody who has a positive vibe, someone who's willing to pretty much roll with the punches, being that um, you just never know what your day is gonna consist of. You might think your day is gonna end out one way and then go another way, you know? And you wanna make sure that you're able to handle all of that. You, have, you handle the stress and the pressure, you handle the good times and the bad times well, because I always tell people, it is not how you handle the good times. Everybody can do that. That's the easiest thing for you to do because it's good, you understand? It's how you handle these stress, stressful situations, how you handle these difficult jobs, you know, difficult people that really defies, you know, your quality of work, you know? I, I couldn't agree more. And I think ultimately that doesn't even just apply to work, right? That applies to life. Yeah. You're, we've talked about in the, in the past, but I'm gonna keep bringing it up. You're an amazing father. Thank You're an amazing sir. role model to your family. The way that you are perceived in the company is probably similar to the way that you're perceived in your family, right? This confident, consistent individual. And I think ultimately um, it all stems to the fact that you give it a hundred percent, you know, when you walk through the door, it doesn't matter what happened on your way here, or situation that's happening with your kids or, or your family in, in general, right? right you sure. put that aside, you do your job, people rely on you, and then you get to go back. And I think a lot of times what I've learned from the way that you handle yourself is taking that step back, not being emotional, is really the way that you stay level-headed because by taking that step back, you ultimately give yourself a breather to then start weighing options and, yeah. and come up with a decision that's the best decision, not necessarily the most emotional decision. That's true, appreciate that. Um, so Lon, the last couple years, your role has really changed completely, right? You were our not only our stud salesperson, but our only salesperson. Um, only salesperson, not only in our own company, but the franchise system. And I remember you and I went to a Jack Daly conference. And one of the things that he talked about is the difference in a company when you go from having becoming a salesperson to a sales manager. When you think about uh, a normal company that probably doesn't have anyone as a salesperson, and if they do, it's either the owner or the right-hand man, 
What would you recommend now living it, making mistakes, growing from the mistakes, and now what I believe is a really good job of managing all these different personalities. And for anyone that has a sales department, you understand that these people, when I say these people, I mean salespeople in general, they're very difficult to tame, right? So what's your strategy when you think about that in terms of how to manage your employees, but also being an actual salesperson yourself, you understand that a lot of times letting them make, spread their yeah. yeah, spread their wings, make their mistakes is is usually one of the ways to grow the, the fastest. Yeah. I mean I'm no expert. Right. And a lot of the, you know, the past couple of years has been a lot of trial and error, to be honest, um, trial by just giving a shot and seeing, you know, what the results look like and and, uh, you know, learning by example or by mistake. Um, you know, I think now looking back at, you know, what the past couple of years has looked like, there's a lot to it's a lot of work to manage not just a group of people, but people with multiple and a variety of different personalities, like you said. And I think it's like you were talking about Daryl, like taking a step back and just hearing everything and not making knee jerk reactions and decisions based off of what's happening there in the moment. I think I've learned probably the most of this from Pete, you know, kind of interpreting like what's happening and probably where Daryl's learned a lot of it from as well, but also at home with, what, five girls? Four. Seven. Four seven. seven. <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, bringing it all back, you know, one of the, I think, the key things that I remember from Jack Deal and I'm going on April 11th is, you know, taking a salesperson and turning them into a sales manager where they're also selling at the exact same time. And I think that that's really the biggest thing that I've had to learn to take a step back from um, and organize my day and time uh, around when am I managing and when am I selling? Because trying to do both of those at the exact same time will be doing myself a disservice and the team a disservice. Um, you know, coaching and managing uh, is probably my number one uh, job now if you look at where my time is being spent um, because of the fact that there's so much happening on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, we have four salespeople uh, managing three different territories. One person's not even in the state. So, you know, all day long, I'm constantly trying to figure out, okay, where are we with this person? Where are we with this person? Where are we with this person? So, um, and then making sure that I'm budgeting my time where if I'm gonna be making outbound calls to help support those people on specific accounts or jobs, you know, I'm not getting dragged into what's happening right now. It's great. And you know, a lot of your responsibility is handling these accounts and making them happy, yeah. right? And sometimes, you do a great job. Other times, it turns out to be a nightmare. And I'm not saying it's you, I'm saying the environment of New York City, all of a sudden the UN assembly is happening and um, now we can't even get to Midtown Manhattan or protests are happening or Thanksgiving parades happening, we still have jobs. Mm -hmm. These are just examples of what I feel like we, we overcome every single day, but ultimately, how do you handle the mistakes that we make? Oh. And how do you 
try to make our customers happy in situations where it might not be possible. Sure. So, so I mean, mistakes are opportunities to learn, right? Uh, mistakes are opportunities for us to grow in the future. You know, it, marathons happen and they're going to continue to happen. And, you know, what we mess up today, we'll get right next time. So it, it's an opportunity to learn. That being said, a big part of what I do is managing what's going to happen, not managing what's happening. So, so a big part of what I do is, is foreseeing, you know, the potential issues that could arise based on the circumstances that are happening now down the line. So, so being proactive and not reactive is a tremendous part of what I do. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're running late to a customer, the earlier you inform that customer, the easier that conversation is going to be. And, the, the better we're treating our customer because now they have the opportunity to, to handle whatever they need to handle and, and not have to rush into it, not have to react last minute, not have to call a babysitter and say, I'm going to be three hours late because the junk luggers are going to be three hours late. You know, they have the opportunity to make their decisions and their changes in advance. And that's a huge part of what I do. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think ultimately we've all been in situations where the company just fails, right? Like either they don't effectively communicate with you or they keep you hanging and then all of a sudden they call you and they say, hey, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to make it today. And you're disappointed because you've committed to that time, right? Absolutely. And I think the way you're describing the effective communication is not only important in our business, but it's also who you are as a person, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like a lot of times you give me a heads up when your head's not in the game or you are going through things outside of work. And, and I think this idea of being proactive and not just assuming that people will understand after the situation happens is one of your highest qualities. And you then have to take that as an example and then have the entire operations team do it or the entire, all the luggers on the trucks do it. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, what have you learned in terms of effectively communicating and learning everyone's personalities to make sure that the way that you are proactive, everyone else is proactive? You know, I, I try to lead by example. You know, I, I try to communicate as well as I possibly can to everybody. You know, when Daryl does a training and he brings in a new class, one of the first things I say to them is if you're on time and you work hard and you know how to communicate, you're going to have a place here forever, you know, and, and that's really all we ask of people, you know, it, communicating is so important in every level of every aspect of life. You know, if I'm going through a personal hard time, you know, I'm not going to let my responsibilities go unchecked, go un, un, unaccomplished without anybody understanding what's going on. And, and I know myself pretty well. So if I know that something's going to be hampering my own abilities to do something, I'm going to talk to somebody about it and see if somebody can help me out. You know, asking for help, that's not a shameful thing. You know, we're, we're a team for a reason and delegating responsibilities, even though it's something that I struggled to do for a long time, I feel like I've grown to a point where I'm comfortable trusting my team and, and delegating certain specific responsibilities to them. That being said, no matter what I'm going through, I always like to think that, you know, I 
have an ability to separate, you know, personal from business. But regardless, you know, sometimes people need days off. Sometimes emergencies happen. Things happen. And communicating with your team and making sure everybody understands what their tasks or responsibilities are because you're dealing with this is extremely important. Just like if any of them are going through a hard time or, or have any issues that are can prevent them from doing certain tasks, I would hope that they would ask me. And it's a give and a take. And yep. everybody here is is awesome with it. Daryl's sensitive and he's a good guy and he helps out. <laughs> <laughs> so one. he might have one of the hardest positions in the company because he has to deal with me on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, one of the main, I would say, objectives of a general manager is executing the strategy. Why don't you just walk through what we do as a company to not only strategize, but also your goal in executing. And also you were talking about before the objective of a one-to-one. -one. What Zach was saying is earlier, you want to get better every day. Right? So how do we get from trying to get better every day and then looking at a larger period of time and either being able to work into it or being able to have actual annual, quarterly, weekly, daily priorities and check them off, right? So at the end of every year, we, we start planning for next year. So around late October to early November, Zach and I will sit down, we'll start marking up a budget, marking up revenue projections, trying to estimate certain costs, trying to figure out what our break even for both businesses are. Uh, and then we start trying to evaluate, okay, do we have the right people in place? You know, we have an X, we're doing, you know, X amount in revenues, we're paying out X amount in payroll. Uh, that's fine for now, but in order to hit some of these ambitious goals, what what is what does next year look like? Because if you plan, if you try to do what you're trying to do next year with your team and the competencies that you had last year, you're not going to, you're going to get last year's results. You're not going to get the growth that you're looking for unless you make some changes. So we start there and then we start bringing the individual departments in. Right? I'll talk with Ronnie. How many trucks do we need? How many guys do we need? What procedural changes do we need to make? What staffing changes, whether it's uh, the movers, the luggers on the trucks, or whether it's office or administrative support or operational support. I'll talk to Lon. What does our sales pipeline look like? Are these projections realistic? How many people do we have? How many people do we need? What kind of support do they need? What kind of technology do they need? HR and Daryl and Tyra. How many drivers do we need to execute during these months, during these months, during peak season? What about when we slow down a little bit? How do we account for that? Um, and then we, we try to plan remixes, a similar dance with a, a fewer variables, but different ones. And we try to figure out, okay, we go year, then we go to quarter. We have quarterly priorities for each department, for each employee, and every week, we have a meeting where we basically share how we did and how we're working towards the goal so that everyone in the company can see how anyone else in the company is doing towards either satisfying or failing to meet their quarterly priority. And <laughs> failure to meet a quarter, quarterly priority is not necessarily a, a failure of that employee or of their tenure or of their time here. Uh, it's ambitious. It's supposed to push you. You know, we don't hit, I think we average for junk lovers around 60% of our quarterly priorities. 
Uh, Remix a little bit higher, 66%. You might say they're easier. I'm not gonna say that. They're just different. Anyway, <laughs> uh, we're trying to push the envelope here. You know, We're not doing what we did yesterday. We're doing something new. And that's the only way we're going to be able to innovate and grow and scale. So, and then we, we have a daily operations huddle. This is our revenue goal for yesterday. We beat it. This is how we're doing today. We're on track to beat it. This is what we're looking at for tomorrow. I don't know. It's going to be close, but you know, uh, we're always thinking about where we were, where we are, and where we're going to be on a weekly, daily, monthly basis. And uh, to your point about the one-to-ones, it's basically it's basically a more personalized continuation of that where I'll meet with the department heads. Uh, I'll make, we'll go over whatever relevant metrics are for that department, whether it's sales numbers for Lon and how his team is doing or how he's doing or, or his challenges, whether it's Daryl and Tyra, what employee issues do we have? Who are we bringing on? Uh, what is our roster looking like? What are our needs look like? Whether it's Ronnie, how's our efficiency looking? Uh, whether it's Remix, how are our donation numbers? How are we uh, diverting by donating? Uh, it's basically just trying to remove obstacles. What are we struggling with? Talk to me. What are your What are you What is your team saying? What are you What are you saying? What are you feeling? What is the pulse? Because there's there's a pulse that is oftentimes reflected in the numbers, but not necessarily. And sometimes that is more important than the actual numbers. Sometimes you'll change something and the numbers will be fine, but there's a lag because the way that yep. things happen, it kind of takes a while to compound. So we're keeping our eye on the numbers, but also on the pulse, also on the issues. Also people come with ideas. Uh, and that's kind of the one-to-one, -one, right? I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be doing work or I don't wanna run over to someone's desk and poke them while they're focusing on something and, and say, hey, I just got this great idea. You need to stop what you're doing because what I'm about to tell you is more important than what you're doing. Like to me, that's, it's borderline insulting. I don't take it personally, but like, I, I don't want people interrupting me. So I try not to interrupt people. So one-to-one -one is a time where it's fairly consistent. If it's not the same time every week, then at least you communicate with the person to try to find a time that works for you both, where you could talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, where you've been, where you are, and where you're going. It's awesome. And I know lately you've really pushed on me, which I would recommend to anyone that owns the business, this idea of if you were the competitor to your business, what would you do differently to ultimately put your business out of, of, out of business? So can you just walk everyone through this new concept that really has now played a role in pretty much everything we do on a day-to-day -day basis now? Sure. So I, don't, I don't know where I read it, um, but basically it was, you know, there's, uh, there's defensive thinking, which is like, if I come to you, Ronnie, and I say your labor numbers are terrible, your first reaction is gonna be like, well, it's because this, they're, they're bad because something happened, right? That's a defensive mentality and most people would, most people tend to get defensive when they're criticized, right? But what if I said, starting my own company, we're gonna destroy Zach and those guys over there. What would you do differently that's not working over there? How would we do it? And then you start thinking, right? It's like, it's like when our co that conversation we had where it's like, what are we gonna do? You know, we could say we can't do it, we can't do it, but then you start thinking, you get all these ideas. Right? All right, absolutely. So that's what, that's kind of what spawned that idea. And to me, it's like, yeah, we gotta keep our eyes on the competition, but uh, I'm not necessarily trying to destroy the competition. I'm, I'm trying to beat ourselves. Sure. I'm trying to beat us from a month ago from last year. Like that's how, that's how we kind of look at it. We're not trying to put, we don't want to destroy anyone else's building, right? We want to build our own. Yeah. Yeah, I think one thing when I think about Ronnie is this idea that whether he comes in at six o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the morning, 
and you leave at four o'clock or you leave at six o'clock, it doesn't matter because operations is still happening. Whether it's a Monday through Friday or Saturday and Sunday, things happen almost every single day. Um, and this is probably very relatable to a lot of people that are having this feeling of burnout. So when you think about the fact that you're managing an operations team and luggers that are basically running 365 days a year, mm -hmm. what would you recommend to the viewers to make sure that when you're off, you get some time off, and when you're on, you're focusing on setting people up so they're not calling you when they're when you're finally leaving for the day. Sure, it's it's not an easy question. Uh, I mean, finding a life work balance is important to to everybody. You know, personally speaking, I could probably do a lot better on this myself. However, you know, I. I guess I function well with a lot of work, but for, for, for the most part, finding a work-life balance is extremely important to anybody. That being said, you know, do it in a structured way. Figure out what works for you. Figure out, you know, what relaxes you and make time to do it and make time, consistent time to do it. Um, I should be taking my own advice, but you know, it, it's important to decompress. And if you don't, take time to decompress eventually it's going to start weighing real heavy on you you're going to get agitated you're going to get aggravated and you're going to start holding people accountable for things that maybe they shouldn't be held accountable for and instead of looking within you're looking with you're looking out you know and, and you're picking and choosing who who to blame for the things and the feelings that you're having at, at that given moment you know it, it without that work-life balance without that decompression and, and that stress relief you know it, you're a ticking time bomb and it's just a matter of time and when it does happen you're either going to lose your job you're going to end up in a in a bad situation or you're going to end up on somebody's bad side and none of those are good things you know what balance you know keeping friendly keeping positive moving forward all of these things are very important and unless you take time to relax and time to decompress it's going to be very difficult to keep moving forward in the long run you might get away with it for a short time but eventually it's going to come to a head love it i think you know in general to be successful in a service industry you need to have these big accounts we have a lot of different commercial accounts. We have different types of professional organizers that work with us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these accounts you and I have been talking about for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Or we might say, you know, it's we're starting a plan already for 2023. What are the big players that, and a lot of times with these accounts, either they reject us right away, or it takes this consistent and repetition to finally get our foot through the door. So for someone who's watching or for someone who's in works in the sales department in their company, what would be your recommendation for growing these large accounts which have been our success stories? Sure. So I think I want to bring it back a little bit to like relationships and like building relationships because that is like nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to buy or I'm going to hire a junk removal company today. Right. It's sometimes it's the right place. It's the right time and and the right contact. Right. The right introduction, uh, you know 
you want to be the person that they say, I'm going to hire junk loggers today, but it just, it just doesn't work like that, especially in a service-based business. So, you know, obviously you have your marketing and your advertising and all those different funnels and channels that are helping to, you know, create brand awareness around, you know, our awesome name, right? The logo, it's pretty catchy. Everybody sees the bright lime green trucks. So you want to, it's all these different things, the, the marketing funnel that, you know, helps support your own personal objectives. If you don't have the funnel, right? sometimes it can be challenging it can be hard but you know google it i think is is uh the old saying the old phrase the new saying the new phrase you know if you can't figure out what to do or how to do it just look online you know and i think that it all starts at just figuring out the company or you know creating that list your wish list your you know who, the big whales of who you're trying to connect with and and creating you know a list of three or four people at that company that you want to try to connect to uh, i think that that's really key and what i try to preach and practice here with our own team is not just trying to, you know, spit a bunch of information down one person's throat. I'm not saying to spit information, but you know, trying to build relationships and rapport with multiple people at the organization in different departments so that when they sit down at a staff meeting and they're like, oh, this guy keeps reaching out to me. Oh, that guy reached out to me too. And now, now there's a conversation happening and then they see the truck driving down the road or then the phone rings and, they, and, and, and it's me uh, leaving a voicemail and then they see our commercial on TV. You know, it, it's almost impossible for them to, to I don't want to say ignore us or ignore me, but um, kind of put it in the back of their mind. And I think one of my favorite expressions and sayings here is something that I actually started saying when I was at a trade show working for your brother uh, in like 2014 was you might not need us now, but you're going to need us someday. And I, and I still live and breathe by that expression because they are. So you will need us at some point now or in the future or know someone that is going to need us now or in the future. And I think it's, it's, it's all about, it all comes back to the building rapport and building relationships and just being friendly. I think it, and not overly aggressive, you know, it's a long game, right? It's a long-term play. You know, some of our big accounts, some of the, the people that we have in our pipeline, they're long-term plays, right? And it's gonna, it's not gonna happen overnight. And I tell that to myself and my team, uh, and setting reminders and and using the CRM to, you know, to to your advantage to to be able to remind yourself to just, you know, check in. Hey, you know, saw you in the news, saw this, saw that. You know, I just wanted to touch base, see how things are going, uh, you know, what your plans are for the upcoming year. And, you know, I'm just, I've always done it in a friendly way. I've always done it in a non-invasive, non-aggressive way. It's just been my, ever since I came here, I think is, it's really the approach that I've taken. Um, I'm, I, and I think we are very fortunate in the brand that we've built here uh, in being able to have something that people really need and people really care about um, and are excited about. I mean, the reviews we get paragraphs long, you know, so. Love it. Um, so, you know, Daryl, your role is very difficult because you have to manage all different tasks, right? You're not only hiring people, you're training them, you're rolling them out to be what we call luggers and trainings to then luggers and drivers. You're having these hard discussions with them if things aren't going well, you're terminating people. 
You're doing all of this, right? And at the same time, you're dealing with the customer situations. You're dealing with accidents, you're dealing with incidents, customers wanting refunds. How would you recommend to someone to prioritize and to balance so many different tasks to make sure that someone's successful? I like to tell, I like to always tell people, you're like our firemen, right? Your job is to put out the fires before they get too big and they go into flames. So when you think about that, guys are coming to you when they're upset or they want a promotion or customers are calling you or, or you're talking to them if something bad happens, what would you recommend to, to someone in terms of applying your own personal beliefs and diffusing a situation? Uh, for one, you know, uh, you, you, you got to listen with an open ear, you know, because if someone is complaining about something, obviously they need to be heard, you know? So you're going to listen with an open ear. Uh, what, what you need to make sure you keep in line is the direction of the conversation. You understand? Because sometimes when people get upset, they get worked up. And when they worked up, they speak off for aggression. Speaking off for aggression is not the way that you handle a conversation because things are not always going to, they're most likely not going to go in the direction that you want it to go. You know? So you got to get people to calm down so that way we can have an open discussion so I can hear you out because the only way you're going to hear somebody if they're speaking well. You understand? Because if you're yelling and stuff like that, it's like then why do I want to help you you understand at this point you haven't deserved me to help you because I need to bring you down so that way we can have a civilized conversation and I just go for an individual who basically uh, waited to their breaking point because that's what people tend to do you know they don't come and speak when they have a clear head they come to speak after they max their breaking point. You know, that's not necessarily the right time to speak because again, you, 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 you're speaking off emotions, you know? So after you calm down, it's way better for you to have this conversation. So that's when, you know, try to explain to people, okay, let's see where you are. You know, you want to get to a certain place, you feel like you're being held back. Well, let's see what's holding you back. Cause sometimes it could be your voice, right? Your voice is not being heard because you don't speak loud enough, you know? And that's, that goes many different directions you, yes. know, you don't speak loud enough you know so now that you, you, you you're putting your voice out there I'm listening to you okay this is the direction you go I wasn't even sure if you if that's something that you wanted or was capable of handling handling you know and then you start talking to them about where they are where they need to be and now that you brought it to my attention you're on my radar you know so I got to make sure that you constantly progression and you know being a, a role model to kind of excel you know and then when it comes to dealing with customers that's I guess fed up or who's upset about a certain situation you know and sometimes you may not even always agree with the customer who is upset you understand but you're trying to de-escalate the situation right. and when sometimes voicing your true opinion is just agitating the situation it's just gonna make it way worse you understand mm -hmm. so let's try to diffuse this put this fire out you know by like okay listen I want to work with you I'm calling you because this is something that I'm trying to address only way we can you know establish that as you calm down so that way I can hear you out and find out where we went wrong what frustrated you and what we could have done to do better I mean we could have done better to make sure this would have went smooth you know yep. the argument is valid and you know it was definitely something that we could have done better we dropped the ball in thing how do I fix this relationship with this client you understand because 
it's it's not about this individual client at this moment because they can use us again and even if they don't use us again how we handled that tough situation that they was with we'll say you know what my experience didn't go too well but there's some stand up people over there you know and I would definitely recommend the service so when I'm dealing with customers I gotta wait till I'm in a good headspace I'm not gonna sit here and lie you know what I'm saying if I'm not in a good headspace dealing with the customers and yelling and screaming and stuff like that you you know you, you can kind of dismiss people who don't want to work with them you know so that's when I make the calls when I'm in a good headspace so I can have this conversation because I have to be prepared to deal with whatever they're throwing at me and I'm not going to go back and forth and get petty and start you know um, talking to them as rude as they may be talking to me you understand but I will try to direct the conversation into a more positive direction so that way we can get something established or accomplished so that way you leave this conversation feeling like you know what they did right by me or at least the best that they could yeah and I think what I'm hearing through all of you is this idea of over prepare and then go with the flow everyone was told save this time today we're gonna shoot an internal podcast I'm not gonna tell you the questions because I don't want you to preemptively come up with the answer um, and the reason that I felt like this is the best way to handle it is because the way you all respond to answers is what you deep down believe. And not only that, but that is your consistent ritual. And that's how you guys are able to speak on it without as much preparation as let's say if you're in school and you're taking a test. So shout out to everyone for speaking from your heart. And I think that ultimately um, it shows how strong leaders everyone is because they're able to just handle a question um, and answer it based upon what they've learned from the experience of, of not only your leadership role, but also working with a company that's constantly focusing on growth. So the next thing we're gonna do is go into a lightning round. Um, so ultimately, we're gonna ask a question. And then from there, whoever feels like they have the answer, will answer it and we're not gonna go in a row. We'll just go who, who has the answer for that question and we'll just keep going along until everyone feels like they've been heard. What is the biggest mistake that you've learned from working in a startup? Trying to think that you can do it all. Which, you, you know, from the start, you have to do it all. And it sucks, but you know, it's just the reality when you're, you know, two person or one person or three person operation. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Trying to do it all, trying to do it all yourself, not trusting the people you have around you. You, know, you learn from your mistakes. I would say things is going to be easy. You know, <laughs> you think it's going to be easy because you're smaller and stuff like that, but not realizing that, nah, it's going to be a little bit more harder because you, you, you know, because you're smaller, you might be stretched, you know, in many different directions. So thinking it's easy would be, you know, the biggest problem. Yeah. Less is more sometimes. You know, you only have so much bandwidth in a week. So when I was earlier in my tenure, I would have a million ideas and I would try to simultaneously execute all of them and I still do sometimes. Um, but if you pick only a few things and you focus more time into it, 
uh, you're more likely to get it right. You're not going to get it right immediately. Um, but you'll be able to see it through to completion and either train or, um, you know, empower someone else with the task eventually. Whereas if you're, if you're trying to do too much at once, you're going to put not only too much on yourself, but other people. So, um, that's probably something that I've, I keep, I keep learning that lesson, <laughs> you know, staying on this idea of mistakes and learning. What do you wish you could have told yourself the eager person in you, uh, that person who's, who started here, what do you wish that you could pass on to your younger self? Not everybody's going to operate on the same wavelength as you learn the people that you're working with, you know, learn their personalities. One thing that we do is the personality test. You know, everybody has a different way that you got to deal with them, you know, and it's one thing for me. Uh, I wish I'd read more and invested in myself and my development as a leader earlier. You know, I feel like I've learned probably my most in the last several years where if I had started that track a little sooner, I probably wouldn't have made some of the mistakes that I had. Um, you know, I had great teachers along the way. Zach was a great mentor and I learned, I learned a lot from everyone I work with, even, you know, people that I manage, I learned from, but, um, investing in myself. Is what would you tell your <laughs> younger self? <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll yeah. What was what would I tell my younger self? Um, I would tell my younger self, especially coming on board, you know, uh, trusting your leadership and your abilities. You know, uh, I don't. I feel like that wasn't something I really cared for in the very beginning. Especially, and realistically, I didn't care for it in the beginning because when I got here, honestly, I thought I was going to be here for a few months. Yeah. You understand? I got here, you know, and we we, we uh, you know we walked onto a, a big project that at the time we wasn't really you know we didn't have the manpower to actually execute. That, but it was fun. You understand? I say, yo, this job is fun. This job is easy. I'm gonna do this for a few months, but I'm getting back into that law firm because I was, a, you know, I, I was a paralegal for the city prior to coming here. You know, so I'm like, I was eager to get there because I thought I was gonna be a lawyer at some point too at that time. You know, and next thing you know, you know, I just continued to grow, and then the atmosphere and the environment. You know, it was a different type of environment that I was used to. You understand? You know, um, I had some nice camaraderies and other jobs that I worked for. And but, you know, when I came here, it felt it felt like, you know, it's just because we were so small. It felt like he was working with family. You understand? This was the first job where, you know, uh, me and my boss was friends. You understand? You know, other a lot of times they don't really even know you like that. Oh, yeah, it's that dude Bradley or something like that. You understand? They don't really know you like that, you know? So, you know, um, what I would have told my younger self is just you know trusting your growth and your abilities you know uh first sometimes people trust in you before you trust in your own self yeah. you know hey, the last person oh there's so many things i would say it's all going to be okay at the end of the day you know it's all going to be okay don't take it so personally you know, I, I, uh, I invest so much of myself into into what I do and what we do here that if someone is not, like I'm a people, but I just want to please people constantly. And not everybody can be pleased, right? It's That's just life. That's just the reality of our of a service-based business is 
you're going to think one way, they, they might think another way. And that's just, you know, you can't change their mindset. And um, so, yeah, I would say it's all going to be okay. And what Pete said before, less is more. I'm, I'm one to probably look too far into something um, and rather than just let it happen. Um, and try to control the situation so much because I want to make sure that it's going to go well. So part of what we ask every single podcast is if you could have a billboard that was paid for courtesy of Lug Life, what would it say on that billboard? I'm going to steal Bob Marley and I'm just going to say what I just said before. Everything's going to be all right. Cue Bob Marley. Yeah. Stay focused and be the superstar that you was meant to be. Like it. We're gonna end with what we we end every podcast with. This is your chance to ask one of your coworkers a question. My question for you, Zach, is what what have been the most consistent themes in the I guess five other podcasts that you've done so far? Um, be human. Focus on being a human. I, I think so, there's so many podcasts out there where all you hear about is how great this person is and how many accomplishments this person had. And my goal that Roger and I talked about from day one is to create a podcast to show that all these people, like yourselves, that is portrayed as these superstars, have all these human characteristics, have all these flaws, have all these trepidations that they go through on a daily basis. Am I the right person? Am I, do I deserve this? You know, something that I struggle with at all times is, is like, how did I get so blessed, right? How did I get so lucky to have such an amazing team around me that makes me look so great? And I know that sounds crazy, but like, when I think about the success that has come from this company in such a short amount of time, um, I wouldn't want to have done it with anyone else besides you guys. And I think when you have such a strong team around you, when you have these wins, it makes it so much better when you, you're able to celebrate it with your team. And when we lose, the first thing that I see out of everyone is you guys come up to me one-on-one -on -one and you say like, I failed. I failed you, I failed myself. And that's what you look for in leadership. You know, you want someone who's gonna congratulate the team when you do well and is gonna take the blame when things don't go right. So um, for me personally, I wanted all of our viewers to see how it's possible that I can own two companies, have a new kid at home, get over my Achilles tendon surgery, um, and also have time to put together a podcast. And, um, and I think that as we continue to build out the podcast more and more, we're gonna see this consistent um, theme that these successful people need strong people behind them, need these rocks, and the more consistent they are and the more they lean into these things that they're doing on a consistent basis, the more successful they'll be. That concludes episode six of the Lug Life Podcast. We're now on Spotify. We're now on Apple Podcasts. I have a request for you. If you're watching this right now, shout out us out, leave us a comment, like, 
subscribe to YouTube. The only way that we're going to continue to grow as a team and to get this podcast to the next level is if you, the viewer, give us that shout out and that like. It's very important for growing our podcast. Let me know who you want to have as a guest and let me know any questions or comments or feedback about how you're enjoying the podcast. But I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you guys. All these guys just worked a nine to five and then stayed to do this. So shout out to you guys for putting in the long hours to make this happen. And shout out to the viewers for letting our dream continue to grow and, and blossom and become this, what it is now. So we're just getting started. <laughs> Episode six.